Pool Seeners, it's Jim. Wanting to remind you guys, do not forget to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And you're like, Jim, that's a lot of work. It's not a lot of work at all because you know what? It'll pay off. We select it, and guess what? You win an awesome, unique prize from Kevin and I here at the Pool Scene Podcast. So don't forget to leave those reviews. Also, review our Facebook page, and while you're there, join the Pool Sceners group. We are almost at 100, y'all. When we get to 100, we are going to put up the Salad Sunday video on our YouTube page at Pool Scene Podcast. But coming up next is a journey you never thought you'd want to take. A journey with Jay Leno and Pat Morita, 1987's, or was it 1989's, or 1992's collision course. And make sure you enjoy the podcast. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow. We love you, Pool Sceners. See you on the flip side. Take a hot topic for 1986, borrow the action movie formula for the time, sprinkle in a pretty well-rounded cast, drown the whole thing in racism, then wait five years to release it in the U.S., and you've got the movie we're discussing this week. This is the Pool Scene Podcast, hosted by your very own buddy cops. I'm Kevin. I'm joined by Jim. You ready for this one, Jim? I have been beyond ready for this ever since I saw it on HBO in the late 90s and then subsequently bought it on VHS on eBay for $40. Wow. Jim, uh, you look like you have some like uh, road rash there on your face. Did you uh, burn, burn yourself with the curling no, iron? No, I'm, I'm starting to look like I'm turning into Mikhail Gorbachev. <laughs> no, it. 40 years old, you'd be surprised as my voice just cracked. They hit puberty again. Just a random zit that I tried to pop. Oh, oh okay. Then we I can, went full Gorbachev with well, it. Well, we can edit this out if you want. <laughs> I don't care. It's all funny. It's the 80s. Gorbachev was very relevant. <laughs> Glossnose, damn it. It looks like a head injury. It does. Um, Everybody at work thought I got shot. <laughs> <laughs> this week's movie is Collision Course, directed by Louis Teague. Teague, probably best known for directing Jewel of the Nile, or maybe even for Cujo. Bob Clark was supposed to direct. Could but, you have imagined? <laughs> no, but he was fired the day before filming started. Good thing. Bob Clark, you may remember, is the director of Porky's when we covered that movie. There was also a director before Clark that I won't get into. None of that is important. I mean, the thing to mention with this one was that it was a production disaster. Filmed in 1987, they ran out of money before the last day of production, and all sorts of corners had to be cut in order to complete filming and post-production. The movie was released in Germany in 1989, and then finally released in the U.S. to VHS <laughs> in 1992. So in ways, this is sort of a lost film. But as of the time of recording, you can watch it on HBO Max, or you can be like Jim and buy a copy for $40 on eBay. <laughs> that was over a decade ago. It's probably worse now. You can watch before or after listening. Jim, please share the budget and box office information that you have available, along with number ones and news at time of release. Like I said, put this into perspective. Communism fell in the process of this movie finishing and then subsequently coming out to the general public. That's going to be a big theme for this week is communism. Exactly. Come all movies about communism. Just production issues oh. and weird things that happen in movies. It's amazing. And not just that. The soundtrack never even came out. It was an unreleased soundtrack. And this soundtrack has some great 80s bangers on it. Yeah, it's as far as the formula of this movie, it's like perfect. Like you take your, you know, whatever action movie you prefer, your Lethal Weapon, your 48 Hours, yep. your poli even Police Academy. This movie has all the elements. It it's does. got pretty good action. Yeah. It's got comedy, albeit racist comedy. It's got comedy. It's got... You have some of your familiar 80s guys yeah. that always are like henchmen. Yeah, it's got very fun. Like, the soundtrack is great. Yeah. Like, the premise is good. But it ran out of money. It was a production disaster. Yeah. That literally is to blame. You know, it's that mid to late 80s. Let's do a movie about the American auto worker and the perils of the American auto industry. But let's make it funny and racist, everybody. How do you know this? Like Kevin said, finish filming in 87 came out in Germany, so I'm going to use the German release date, April the 27th, 1989, and then came out on VHS three years later in 1992, and boy, like I said, the world just did not change because countries fell. In the news, 
Speaking of certain things going a little crazy around the world, Beijing students take over Tiananmen Square in China. A brutal massacre of Chinese students and other protesters by the Chinese army. The death count goes on tonight, and it is at least in the hundreds. It may go as a high as a thousand or more, and the fighting is not yet over. China is a nation at war with itself. As a result, the world is a much different place tonight. Potential revolution that got squashed yeah. absolutely quick on live television with a tank basically bulldozing Chinese students. On a happier note, Kevin, NBC's Late Night with David Letterman becomes the first television show broadcast in Dolby Stereo. I thought that was relevant because we're on a podcast. It's an audio thing. Nickelodeon celebrated its 10th birthday. On the Lord of Hero, Nick. On the Lord of Hero, Nick, Nick. On the Ricky Tigalow, while living number one, Nickelodeon. Mike Myers, we saw him back as Dr. Evil in the Super Bowl commercials, joins the cast of Saturday Night Live. After a 10-month hiatus, American Bandstand comes back on the USA Network. And one of the best TV movies of all time, Bionic Showdown, The Six Million Dollar Man and The Bionic Woman. It was notable for the first television appearance of actress Sandy Bullock. Wow. Sandra Bullock's first ever appearance. Let's throw it over to George Michael in sports. Hey, George, what's up? Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael. Welcome to The Sports Machine. Now, Kevin, as we are big soccer fans or our European counterparts over there, football will never forget. Remember the 96. 96 fans were crushed to death and 766 injured at the Hillsborough Football Stadium in Sheffield, England during an FA semifinal between Liverpool and Nottingham Forest. Just if you ever do any research on that. Just the absolute ineptitude of... That's an understatement. ...the security team and the uh, training to allow that to happen. Yeah, fences were... After this, you did not see them in soccer stadiums anymore because there were so many trampling deaths. There is... They basically tried to herd them like cattle. They did. Yeah. And And there's an amazing documentary. I believe it's on Netflix about that. Guys, check it out. And with the first pick in the 1989 NFL draft, the Dallas Cowboys select Troy Aikman, quarterback UCLA, the kickoff of his Hall of Fame career for the Dallas Cowboys. And now he makes beer. Now he makes beer. Eight beer. And he kind of looks like Jay-Z. So it's weird. Yeah. Kevin, I want to give you a Moonfall update. For all of you guys, checked out the Moonfall spoiler cast last week. Kevin and I sat through it suffered through it, laughed at it, and here is the update as of five minutes before this recording. Domestically, Kevin, it has made only $15,952,150. Internationally, five million five hundred twenty-five thousand seven hundred thirty-seven for a total worldwide gross of $21,477,000. I, I don't know if I ever put it on record, but I think I said like $74 million. It's going to fall halfway short of that. It's going to fall tremendously short. Jesus, man, what a mess. Put it into perspective, Spider-Man has made $760 million worldwide. Put that into perspective. The number one movie this time in 1989, Pet Cemetery. Oh, nice. Never seen it. Really? Never seen Pet Cemetery. I have a soft spot for both of those, Pet Cemetery and Pet Cemetery 2. Speaking of something that wasn't in a Pet Cemetery, your number one song in Germany, Looking for Freedom by David Hasselhoff. I've been looking for freedom. I've been looking so long. I've been looking for freedom. Still the search goes on. Off his album, like a prayer oh no yeah singing out on top of the wall it was an amazing sight ironically enough your number one song here in the u.s was like a prayer by madonna weird how ironic is that And that's one of the few Madonna songs that I don't really mind. I prefer her slower stuff. But that's all that was going on in Germany and here and on the moon with the moon dick. April 27th, 1989. All right, let's collide into the plot. Show him the warrant. What warrant? I ain't got no warrant. You're supposed to go to the judge today and get a warrant. Oh, I forgot. You forgot. And this guy hits us with a big fat lawsuit is what you forgot. Hey, Sorry, forgot. I'm sick of your goddamn president. Hey, The movie begins with a meeting between Oshima 
and Derek Jared. Derek Jared's brought two goons in tow. Oshima is trying to sell a revolutionary turbocharger to Jared, who is an automaker. Don't you like how they spell Jared? They try to seem edgy with uh, it. They spell Derek and Jared weird. <laughs> so hard. At the last minute, Oshima backs out of the deal, which leads to the goons. They string him up and torture him. Yeah, he has a heart attack. He dies before he can disclose where the turbocharger is hidden. A junkyard manager is sort of wrong place, wrong time, and is killed via rocket by one of the goons named Scully. Just a random rocket gun this guy possesses. Detect and that'll come up later. Detective Tony Costas is called. He's called in to investigate, but then he's removed from the case when they realize the junkyard manager is his former partner. Weird coincidence with that whole thing. It's a weird coincidence that they kind of brushed over quite quickly. Yes. He obviously continues to pursue the case with the help of his partner, Shortcut, which that's like a trope in these movies. Like, you're fired from the case, turn in your badge. No one ever stops working the case. No. It's also around this time that Fujitsuka Natsuo. Yeah, good thing you got that right. Is sent to Detroit to do his own investigation. Pretty quickly, Costas and Natsuo's investigations become one and the same. They realize that Derek Jared is working for or with a crime boss named Matt. Madras. One of the worst crime bosses ever. Jared had taken a loan out from Madras, who is applying pressure to ensure that there is a proper return on investment. Hey, this guy Madras, he's a real American success story, boy. Started kind of small, you know, racketeering, extortion. So how's a guy like you get his claws into a man like Jared anyway? <clears throat> what, do you lend him money, 3% interest per day? Is that how it starts? What's the matter with you? You want something? No, not on something. No, I'm on something, pal. I'm on your ass. That's what I'm going to be on. You're sick, buddy. You're sick. Costas gets suspended for confronting Madras. Natsuo receives a return back to Tokyo with dishonor. Both obviously ignore the instructions to stop working the case. They learn that Oshima put the turbocharger in a rental car. All right, all right, all right. Listen, he was a strange dude. He came in and rented one of my bays to fix his car. What kind of car? It was a Toyota. It's a rental. You put the component in the car. It was there all the time. This leads to a very lengthy chase, which culminates with Natsuo killing Madras. As Costas and Natsuo are in the airport awaiting Natsuo to return home and deliver the body of Oshima, Costas surprises him with the turbocharger. No Japanese home should be without one. Don't flash it around. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tony. So that he could return home successful in his mission. <laughs> See you later, pal. Sayonara, my friend. A fucking turbocharger and a random Toyota. It's yeah, and it's just he just gives it to him. It's in like brown grocery bag. That's all it is. All right, let's talk about characters. Top build, Pat Morita as Inspector Fujitsuka Natsuo. Jay Leno as Detective Tony Costas. Chris Sarandon as Madras. Let's underline that exclamation point italicize. Chris Sarandon. Yeah. As Philip Madras. Tom Noonan is Scully. Dennis Houlihan is Derek Jared. Ernie Hudson is Shortcut. He doesn't even get a name. He's just Shortcut. Al Waxman is Dingman. Who's very racist. Randall Tex Cobb as Kosnick. I don't think they ever say his name. All right. So which actor actress gives a passable performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? I don't know if any non-lead character steal scenes. The only person that really sticks out to me, I would have to say, it's Randall Tex Cobb. Yeah. And Scully, and who Tom Noonan. I will always know him as the Ripper from yeah. Jack Slater 3. This is not the way and behave. I don't get paid to be civilized. You forgot to prototype? Now you're going to die. No, no, I, I, I'm afraid I don't Mr. know Mr. Jared is uh, late for a meeting. Perhaps I can help you, Mr. Uh... Johnson. Dwayne Johnson. Why don't I get your number and we'll get back to you, uh... Dwayne, is it okay if I call you Dwayne? Those two seem to have the most character. Yeah. Nobody in their right mind will ever say, man, I love that guy to play Derek Jared yeah. in fucking Collision Course. And the Philip Modris trope that most of these movies always create. There's this bad guy, but we have to show him as like a baby face. So he's going to donate a free clinic to an underprivileged area of Detroit. Yes. It's always this trope. I, I love these movies. I love oh, like Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Yeah. I love like all of these old 80s action movies, but they all have like, this guy's a crime lord, but everyone likes him to his face. But in the shadows, he's pulling all these strings. Yeah. He owns all the politicians. He knows all of Detroit. 
Yes. All right. So who do you got? Uh, probably Tom Noonan. Okay. Probably the same. I, I like Tom Noonan anytime he pops up. And so I don't even think he really speaks in this one, but it's very small. But him shoot a rocket launcher is but pretty it's cool. Almost robotic when he does talk. I will say I like Jay Leno in this. You know what? Surprisingly, eh, not too annoying. No, he's kind of, they balance Leno the correct amount. I think the longer he went on late night, the more he like leaned into all that stuff. I'm surprised. Well, then granted things changed because he became the host of the Tonight Show. But if he didn't, I would have been interested to see his career arc in movies. Yeah, just stand up in movies. Because I wonder if there would have been possibly, well, then again, it was in production. It would have been the, the Jerry Seinfeld model. Yeah. Sitcoms. Tonight on Jay. Yeah, just, but I, I liked him in this. I, I did. So did I. All right, best scenes, I have to start, and I have to say, the out of nowhere Ugh. end of Madras. Go! It makes, I why? They, they go to the, is it the junkyard or the rental car place? It's the budget rental car that's on top of a parking garage. There you go. They go to the budget rental car and it's like, of course, Natsuo and Costas get there the same time as Madras and his goons all trying to retrieve this turbocharger. And this old woman who seems to have a really bad old woman wig yeah. tries to drive the car quite horribly. Yes. A turbocharger is not going to affect the car that much. So it ends up with this like highway chase scene and then they switch to a motorcycle. With that great song In the Fire, which is an yes. awesome song. And then there's like the whole uh, Wayne's World 2 trope where there's just like, we've got to walk back and forth with this glass pane. We've got to make sure these chicken crates are always here. It's like one of those like yeah. drive through all the stuff. And that scene culminates with Costas is laying in the alley. He's been shot in the leg with, yes, from a distance. They're trying to run away. And Tony sacrifices himself. Yes. Just go. Get out of and here. Madras is a pretty good shot from a distance. You got to weave like Ricky in Boys in the Hood. Yeah. But, uh, so Costas is laying down. He's been shot. Natsuo is trying to tend to him. Meanwhile, Madras is like got the, um, like the speed racer, like gripping the wheel. And <laughs> we need to put this in perspective with this scene, though. There looks to be a two mile difference yes. between Tony deciding. I'm going to sacrifice myself. Yeah. He could easily just roll yeah, slowly right. out of the way. He's fine. No. No, it's a two-mile run. Yeah, it's like uh, two miles away. <laughs> Madras is, is full speed ahead. He's got the, the pedal to the metal. He's got the grin, you know, 10 and 2 on the steering wheel, and he's going to run them over. Maniacally laughing. He's going to run both of them. So then, Natsuo, not quite as fast as Harry Hawk in Days of Thunder. He's not. He starts running straight at the car. Playing chicken. He's playing chicken, and at the last second he leaps and drop kicks through the windshield killing madras to death we don't know how he killed him i don't get it i wish they would have just shown his head get knocked the fuck yeah, off yeah they should have like done like the his head like a close-up of his head like getting squashed like a piece yeah. of rotten fruit the thing that also sells this is that after he kills madras the car's out of control yeah then finally madras's car with natsuo on top collides with another car yeah tony who sacrificed himself just let him get hit by a car now can walk yeah. and drags not yes. to go out and saves him before the car explodes i just really love that there's no precedent in this movie i mean there's like some gunfights there's like a little bit of violence here and there but nothing in this movie leads me to believe that natsuo is going to drop kick somebody through a windshield not at all <laughs> it's crazy Pat Morita throughout this whole movie is as far from miyagi yeah but he's still miyagi but you know another great thing just underrated point yeah he is he's absolutely miyagi this is like a miyagi, even though it's filmed after it's like a miyagi prequel can you imagine? <laughs> it's post-war. Let me tell you, Daniel son. Yeah, the one of the greatest things is when he's running towards the car, he's not just running and focusing. He's going, hey, hey. He's like <laughs> screaming over and over again. I guess he's got to work it up to so he can jump high enough to drop kick through. The and it street. doesn't occur to him at one point. He's like, I'm going to fucking die. What am I doing? Right. He, he couldn't have fucking just thrown like a brick or a cinder block. Now, that at him? has to be the most perfectly timed jump ever. First because off. if he jumps too late, he goes over the car. 
What we love, though, in that scene, in the, the green screen is horrible. Yeah, it's so bad. The way it's positioned from camera to car coming towards Natsuo, it seems that he jumps statically, but then drifts diagonally yeah. to make impact with Madras's head. It's really wonderful. I, I think it would have been funnier if he just glanced off the windshield and just what went over. He, okay, so he could have jumped too quick, got hit by the hood. Yep. He could have jumped a little too early and went over the car yeah he could have jumped went through the windshield but not hit Madras. he just hit the seat <laughs> he just next hit the passenger he just goes seat through he goes through into the back seat why didn't Mythbusters ever do this he just he just he hits them perfectly in the face it's perfect he essentially does you know what what the moon dick did in moonfall yeah right to the guy's face pretty much if only it was a moon i just have one besides that them drinking in the apartment where they're just spilling the guts must do banzai. Banzai? Yeah. Nice Japanese banzai. Minasama kongetsu konban o detective kostas no fujitsuka natsu no new partner chiku no tameni banzai. 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 Oh, yes. I nice Japanese bonsai. Yeah. <laughs> they proceed to just drink, drink, drink. No. Huh? No. I'm not, I'm not drinking. No. You're my partner. Mm. You don't tell me shit. I tell you shit. I tell you all shit. Full shit, I tell you. Everything shit now. You tell me everything. Right now. Everything. And Pat Morita, born in Hawaii. Yes. Pat Morita's American, proceeds to sing Japanese completely obliterated. Meanwhile, Jay Leno's screaming at him drunk. What the hell is that? Some kind of code? Huh? Hey! Huh? Oshima! My wife's favorite song. <laughs> Acting like he's never heard English in his life. Yeah. It's hilarious. I love when he tells him, hey, bonsai, bonsai. And then he does the whole yeah. guttural Japanese. Miyagi. Yeah, it's so funny. It's so good. I have, I totally think the director maybe went up to Pat and go, hey, can you uh, turn it up on Miyagi a little bit? Two quick things. One, we mentioned like how this movie just borrowed the formula. So the scene where Madras tells Derek Jared that he's just a puppet. I'm not finished talking to you yet, Derek, Jared, Mr. Motor City. You're right. There is no more partnership because you are out. I'm out? Yeah. Only you don't have to be too depressed about it. You can go on making your speeches and getting your picture in the society page, but we're going to know that you're just my little puppet. So you've got Chris Sarandon, Tom Noonan, Randall Tex Cobb. They're great in this scene because it's all facial expression. It's very mafioso. Yeah, it's just like Madras is trying to eat and he tells Derek Jarrett, leave. And then uh, the last scene I'll mention, the opening scene where Tony Costas tries to drag race <laughs> some dudes and he gets pulled over. So he pulls up. <laughs> I love those guys. Next to these, like, these black dudes and he's like. Station is that. You can't get that thing. <laughs> What station are you listening to? They're like, you can't hear that station. Because he's white. Yeah, and he's like, what? And then they're eating pizza. Yeah. And he asks them, can I get a slice? You can't have this. And then uh, he challenges him to a drag race, which is all comedy. Like, you can, they're yeah. setting up his character in a smart way. And so he starts drag racing these guys until the cops pull out. Love it. And at this point, you don't know he's a detective yet. So the cops pull out, pull him over. He's waving, telling them, go, 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 go. And he'll take the fall for it. So then when he gets pulled over. Nice going, teenagers. I'm working on a bus for six months and you two come along and just screw it up. Sorry, we thought it was a couple guys drag racing. Drag race? What the hell do you think this is? Why don't you tell it to the half a dozen DEA agents on the other side of the bridge? Look, we're sorry, Officer Costas. Hey, sorry, tell it to the feds. You know, I ought to run you two in. But, uh, listen, I'm going to give you a break. In fact, uh, I think we can handle this internally. Uh, give me a badge number. I'm going to take care of this. Jeep Bell. Give me your home Jerry phone, Bell. just in case um, I need it. 555-1834. Five, 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 you know, Miss Bell, you're pretty lucky you ran into me and not one of the feds. Hey, you want my number? It's, uh, it's 839. Hey, I'll figure it out. 
man and a woman pull him over and he just like asks the woman he shows him he's like i'm a detective i'm gonna take you two in yeah and he uh he gets her home number but not the guy hey do you want my number to alpha i'll look it up yeah it's pretty funny it's pretty funny all right i think that's enough best scenes why don't we get out of the pool get ourselves some concessions maybe a beverage Ooh, nice beverage maybe a hot dog right here at the tokyo detroit international car show pool check Tokyo, Detroit. Yeah, I don't know. Why I did that. Is that like Sabu at Bombay, Michigan? Hey, at the rate Detroit was going, if Tokyo came in and said we're just going to buy the entire city, I'm pretty sure it could have happened. So I'm very excited about this week's pool check. It's a lot. Movies with production problems. This will be broad to include budget issues, recasting, delays, anything that can be interpreted as difficulty in production. However, COVID-19, obvious issue that affected many movies. So I just want to to acknowledge that because I'm guessing we could select a bunch of COVID movies, but yeah. we're, we're going to go pre-COVID yeah, before the world ended. What do you think? You want to go first? You want me to go? I'll go first. I'm going to start from like a well-known one. So my number five, Back to the Future, everybody, is much of the world are fans of Back to the Future. As most of you do know, the movie was initially shot the first six weeks with Eric Stoltz. There are behind-the-scenes pictures. There's actually video of him as Marty McFly. Bob Gale, Bob Zemeckis, wanted Michael J. Fox. But they could not come to an agreement with Family Ties at the time because it was the number one show on NBC. Six weeks in, they're like, this isn't going good. Yeah. So they go to Jeffrey Katzenberg and go, hey, this isn't working. We need to change. All of a sudden, Bob Gale and Bob Zemeckis go to Family Ties, and they tell him, hey, you guys can have Michael J. Fox, but... This show comes first, and he needs to be on set on time. That's crazy. So Michael J. Fox would film family ties throughout the day, go to set, film overnight, sleep an hour or two, and back on set for family ties. And that's how we got our Marty McFly. Yeah, which it's interesting because you had told me I had no idea about in Peacemaker, the guy that played Vigilante recorded, filmed five episodes, and then quit. He quit. I read about it after you told me he quit over creative differences it's just like what did you want man like you didn't i maybe they didn't have access to read the scripts beforehand yeah. but it was like he literally read the scripts and then filmed five episodes and he was like i think it worked out perfectly because the guy that plays vigilante now is just spot on perfect for the role so i mine are all pretty lengthy uh not all of them but i don't really have any particular order but first i'm gonna go with island of dr moreau 1996 it was a remake called the most disastrous movie ever made so first it was shot in the australian jungle in the hottest time of year big mistake yeah why the hell would you do it the worst version of marlon brando needed a paycheck so he agreed to star and that kind of like enticed everybody else because they were like i want to work with marlon brando. yeah why not he's coming to the trail end of his life let's do it so this enticed bruce willis and james woods to sign on however willis dropped out to deal with his messy divorce to demi moore and probably some shit in <laughs> Haley, <laughs> idaho <laughs> probably uh, he was replaced by val kilmer kilmer had a reputation for being a bully and hollywood's biggest asshole his behavior on the set was the final nail to derail his career. He was supposed to be a main character, but he would only shoot when he felt like it. So they had to rewrite the entire script Ugh. to make him a supporting character, which led to them firing James Woods, who was no longer needed. So all of that said, none of our real problems have even began. As soon as filming began, Marlon Brando's daughter died suddenly. So he left and they had no idea, like, if he was coming back, they had no communication. So they were forced to shoot only the scenes he wasn't in. And then Val Kilmer's wife went on a talk show and announced their divorce, which is how he learned that they were getting divorced. Fucking nightmare. So all of this has nothing to do with the movie, but the movie is just as big of a shit show. Val Kilmer tried to leave, but the studio trapped him in the contract. So you take the world's biggest asshole who tries to quit and you won't let him. I can't underestimate how abusive he became to everyone in sight. The sets were then destroyed by storms, causing delays because they had to be completely rebuilt. When the script was rewritten, they cast Rob Morrow as the lead. He had a nervous breakdown because of the production. He spent his time on set crying and begging to be released from his contract. The director was fired. He also had a full-on nervous breakdown. In retaliation for being fired, he destroyed as many important documents as he could get his hands on, including scripts, production notes, schedules. He went missing into the Australian jungle. Jesus. He stayed missing until he snuck back on set as an extra 
unnoticed. There's Wait just an extra extra that no one noticed. Does anybody know why this dirty ass guy yeah. who smells is here? It's a guy with mud on his face in the background. Wait a minute, is that you, Paul? He also had snuck into the premiere to confront Val Kilmer about being an asshole. Hey, you fucker. The lead actress, Feruza Balk, she tried to leave, but they caught her and intercepted her at the airport and forced her to go back. They intercepted her? What is this, fucking prison? A new director was hired, but he only agreed to finish it if the studio... He basically had the best leverage play ever because they were like, hey, man, we got this shit show out in Australia. And he's like, I'll do it, but I want you to green light and give me basically unlimited budget on three movies. And they're like, that's fine. Yeah. He didn't give a shit about this. He just knew he had to finish it. Around this time, Brando came back. He fucking hated Val Kilmer and they would like purposely do shit to each other to try and derail each other's performances try and fuck each other over, try and sabotage the movie. Neither one would want to come out of their trailer first. So they'd go eight, 10 hours when late when they were supposed to be filming. Imagine just being a grip on this movie. That's what, yeah, everybody said. So you know what the cast would do since they had to deal with this shit? They were having drug-fueled orgies in the woods. Oh, you know, what else are you going to do in the outback? I mean, let's do it. When Kilmer finished his scenes, the director called the police and had Kilmer escorted off set. It failed in every way textbook how not to make a movie sounds like we're gonna have to cover this movie because this sounds like the biggest train wreck ever can anything beat that i don't know but the next thing i got is you all know how much i love burt reynolds in 1972 he made a nice little west virginia backwoods movie known as deliverance where most of you will always know that banjo sound legendary problem is the director john borman wanted all the actors to Uh do their own stunts one scene involved going out on a perilous canoe trip. The funny thing is, though, they had to film this in chronological order because they were afraid that somebody could die. Yeah. Hey, in case somebody dies, did we get yesterday's dailies? Excellent. Let's they were do all it. afraid to get in the water. I yeah. mean, I would be. Yeah. In one scene, Burt Reynolds was in a canoe when it went barreling over a waterfall and cracked his tailbone. Meanwhile, John Voight, meanwhile, put his life on the line to film a rock climbing sequence without a harness. What was the insurance take on uh, this movie? Unbelievable. Jesus Christ. Borman wanted a scene to be shot in close up, preventing Voight from using a stunt double. What the fuck? You're worried about people potentially dying in your movie i think whoa all the research i did for these all had like a similar component of something like that which was like a director who was just overbearing it sounds almost like when we covered pcu with hark bachner yeah but yeah that was deliverance jesus thank god bert survived predator another movie where the problems had to do with shooting in the jungle this one was shot in mexico but it was shot in like the raw jungle okay So fire ants, snakes, spiders, scorpions, 90 plus degrees combined with everyone wearing heavy equipment. Bush gardens. Yeah, basically. And uh, very scary stuff. All the actors now refer back as it being like their survival story. Basically, Schwarzenegger yelling at the predator, kill me, I'm right here. He wanted it. Yeah. The original $20,000 predator mask was red and looked like a chicken. Oh, God, I can totally see They really botched the design. One version of the story says that John Claude Van Damme was fired for breaking the mask. The director of Predator, John Claude Van Damme, was bother him all the time okay and be like look i can do the splits i can do the kicks i can stretch like he can do all this i'm shit. good looking yeah i'm good looking put a mask on and yeah so he was like he's right he's good looking he can do kicks and splits and all yeah, this what but they do we'll make him predator so there's like six different stories or rumors as to why it didn't work out like one of them was they tried to get him to play the predator and he kept passing out because it was too hot and yeah. they're like we need somebody who can withstand the elements there was the one where he broke the mask ask because he hated it there was one that it was like they replaced him because they wanted predator the predator actor who made it into the film was over seven feet tall john claude van damme's five six yeah close enough so they wanted somebody big and so on so a number of rumors but uh the whole cast had a stomach bug so it's it just you're out in the jungle probably drinking water you shouldn't it's gonna happen it just was a nightmare shoot my next one and it's something you guys might not know about the horribly bad remake of red dawn in 2012 my idiot ass went to buy the movie how stupid i, I was it. the original is way way better Wolverine. 
Queens. Exactly. However, initially this movie was supposed to be, like you remember the original, it was the Soviet invasion of America. Well, it's 2012, the Soviets are going to be invaded America. They're going to be invading Ukraine soon. However, the original plot of the movie was the Chinese were going to invade. How, while in post-production, the invading army and antagonists were changed from Chinese to North Korean uh-huh. in order to maintain access to the Chinese box office. Digitally editing Chinese symbols and recording dialogue to be Korean. The amount of shit Sony got in China from the fallout of this movie. Oh, yeah. They ended up getting the worst release dates. They ended up getting the worst type of commercials. Everything you can think of. The movie was still refused. A release in China. Uh, did they not think of that? You would think. Before? Yeah, because this movie wouldn't have been released in North Korea anyways. So Sony is still today slightly still getting waves from the Chinese film agency because of Red Dawn. It came out 10 years ago. I'm going to sneak this one in and just get it out of the way. Twilight Zone, the movie. In 1982, during filming, three people were killed, six were injured on set in a helicopter crash. Director John Landis had broken a bunch of child labor laws that had to do with, like, they didn't have permits, they weren't allowed to film at night, there was all these other things. But that was all gas on the fire after the fact. Actor Vic Morrow, two children were killed. The parents of the children were told that they were, like, so basically they were never told that the kids would be near a helicopter or near explosives. Two were decapitated, the other was crushed by the helicopter. God. Basically what happened, night shoot, there were supposed to be explosions. Well, while the helicopter was hovering, they set off a mortar, which went off as planned, but it caused a rotor to fail on the hovering helicopter. So the helicopter started to dip, and I think they actually fell out of the helicopter, and the pilot tried to grab them and stuff. But the accident led to a ton of positive changes in the film industry, but there was a huge trial. They tried to blame it on the pyro guy and say that the mortars went off too soon. A lot of finger pointing. Steven Spielberg ended his relationship with John Landis because Spielberg was producing this with Landis directing and Spielberg was like he couldn't sleep at night and so I mean two children were killed I mean come on Take Me Home Tonight came out in 2011. However, the movie starring Topher Grace and Anna Faris was finished in 2007. The biggest reason why, a lot of people were saying, eh, too much cocaine in it. Yeah. We can't have this. And the director was saying, and I'm paraphrasing, it's an 80s teen movie. How can you not have cocaine in an 80s yeah. teen party movie? Well, it's it's so strange. Like, I, I like that movie. By the time it came out, there was so much bad blood about the movie. Nobody gave a shit But anymore. if you switch out, like weed for cocaine something like grandma's boy it's no different it's, it's not just different a different drug like, it's the connotation it's just so so strange. the amount of blow being used toy story 2 someone at pixar accidentally deleted the entire movie the backup server hadn't worked in over a month the only reason that we are able to see this film today is because a woman named galen sussman she was at home on maternity leave and she had a copy saved on her home computer what are the chances thank god how unbelievable because that whole franchise would have just ended yeah i mean they there's no way i mean i don't know how much of the movie was done at that point but there is no way that they redo it not at all. It's, it's too much work. It's very crazy. labor intensive. That is crazy. So my final one, The Abyss. Yeah. 1989, Ed Harris. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember liking it. I watched it like a year ago. It still really holds up. Yeah. Like the, the visual effects are still really good. Here's the problem right off the bat with The Abyss. 40% of the film's principal photography took place underwater, yeah. Yeah. not CG underwater. They even wanted Ed Harris to learn how to breathe with in liquid water like liquid water hey ed can you grow gills (laughs) they wanted because apparently there was this theory that humans possibly could inhale water and get oxygen elements out of it so they wanted ed harris to do this (laughs) but he's like no so they literally filmed his helmet full of water and he just held his breath Ed, how do you feel about drowning? Yeah, pretty much. Because Cameron needed to have total control over the water, something that's not easy to do even in a tank. The largest tank of water to have more control over any type of storm that might come in, whatever. (laughs) For such production, the tank of water only was around in the country of Malta. Oh. But it wasn't big enough for James Cameron. Oh, no, it was not. Instead, he turned an abandoned nuclear power plant in South Carolina, which featured a former reactor containment vessel that could hold seven and a half million gallons of water. Took five days to fill that. However, you always hear this other stuff. 
that was going on between the cast. They were shooting 70 hour plus weeks for six straight months. Co-star Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio had a physical and emotional breakdown on the set. And even Ed Harris admitted he broke into a fit of sobbing while driving home one day because of the stress. At one point, a lightning storm ripped a hole in the black tarp covering the tank. Since repairing it took too much time and the production was already running over, they started shooting at night. Too much exposure to chlorine burned diver skin and turn their hair white. Tensions came to a boiling point during one scene where Master Antonio's character sacrifices herself before being revived by Harris. But Ed Harris always said they were treated like guinea pigs. In one of the scenes where it was the drowning scene, he started screaming at her to come back and wake up. And I was slapping her across the face and I see that they're running out of film in the camera. There's light on the camera and nobody had said anything. Mary Elizabeth stood up and said, We're not animals and walked off the set. They were going to let me just keep slapping her around. Nobody told him to cut. He was going to keep slapping her. What a fucking train wreck of a movie. It's a great movie, though. But holy shit, was the production horrible. So I will say my my next movie has a bit about and this is my favorite the amount of research i did on this one but this one has a bit about filming and water tanks and there's another one water world a whole bunch of issues revolving around filming and tanks a lot so basically any movie that had to film in water tanks always d- disaster just it, don't do titanic. it titanic yeah my vinyl one cutthroat island 1995 let me go down this rabbit hole the movie was a gift from director rennie harlan to his new wife gina davis gina davis wanted to be an action star she had uh, fancied herself you know she wanted to be an action star yeah he harlan had to convince the studio to do this hey she's great guys just give her a chance yeah we covered harlan's movie driven the summary of this one is that it's too much money and too much effort went into a movie that was never going to be that good. The script wasn't good enough. I don't care who you cast or anything. It just, they put so much effort into this. The production company had already spent $13 million towards making an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie called Crusade. The production studio was in financial trouble and decided that they would just cancel that movie. They'd stop investing any more movie. They'd cut their loss at $13 million. They sold part of their company, which recouped $20 million. And then they commuted the rest of the budget for Crusade, which was over $100 million towards Cutthroat Island. The company was banking its survival on Cutthroat Island, which they had committed $60 million or so to. So what they didn't realize is that they were putting all of this money into Harlan's fun money vanity project. This isn't like, I'm sure he wanted to make a good movie, but this was like his passion project that he didn't really care, I think. But they were also banking on Gina Davis's star power. All respect to Davis, but they knew they needed a big name male lead opposite. Michael Douglas was cast and was difficult from day one with a list of stipulations about when he could shoot, how he had to have as much or more screen time than Davis, but he pulled out at the very last moment. This led to Gina Davis almost quitting because she saw it as a sign to say, yeah, not worth it. Yeah, screw it. Her husband convinced her to stay. Harlan spent so much time on focusing, spent so much time focusing on replacing Douglas. He wasn't overseeing the building of the sets, which he ended up hating. So days before filming, he postponed the entire movie <laughs> oh. because he showed up to see the sets and we're like, this isn't what I want at all. No, These at look all. terrible. After Harlan couldn't convince Tom Cruise, Keanu, Russell Crowe, Liam Neeson, Jeff Bridges, Rafe Fiennes, Charlie Sheen, Michael Keaton, Tim Robbins, Daniel Day-Lewis, or Gabriel Byrne to do the movie. Oh, who he ends up with. Matthew Modine was yes. cast. Loudon Swain. The first week of filming, the cinematographer fell off a crane and broke his leg. He had to be replaced. The next week, Harlan fired the chief camera operator and almost the whole crew quit in a show of solidarity. Oliver Reed was cast in the movie and he was fired for getting in a bar fight and then drunkenly exposing himself to Gina Davis. Wow. Harlan was adamant about actors doing their own stunts, which resulted in a bunch of injuries. My favorite is while some scenes were shot on a studio set, a waste pipe ruptured and spewed raw sewage into the 806,000 gallon water tank where they were filming. That's shitty service, man. Yeah. So the production studio filed bankruptcy before the movie was done. Harlan invested some of his own money to finish it upwards of millions. Oh God. Why waste your time? 
The movie was to be distributed by MGM, who was being sold, so they chose not to advertise. We're good. The film was released on December 22nd, so think. <laughs> Merry Against Christmas. the Christmas movies. With an approximate budget of $115 million, it made $10 million worldwide. Hey, Moonfall's doing better. So basically, being financed by a failing company, a lack of star power, a bunch of filming mistakes and accidents, poorly timed Christmas release, no advertising explains why this spent years as Guinness's biggest box office bomb of all time. Wow. Even worse than Bonfire of the Vanities. Yeah. So a uh, couple honorable mentions. Crusade, uh, which I mentioned. Yep. The movie that was canceled to do Cutthroat Island. This movie never happened because of the excuse that the production studio feared it wouldn't make back its $100 million budget. But actually, it's because they didn't have $100 million to make it. Directed by Paul Verhoeven. Yeah. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger as a slave captured to fight in the Crusades. And the movie explored the political sides of the Crusades. Uh, Justin. This league mortal in 2007 was indefinitely delayed because of the writer's strike directed by George Miller had DJ Katrona as Superman Army Hammer as Batman Megan Gale as Wonder Woman Common as Green Lantern Adam Brody as Flash Jay Baruchel as the villain Maxwell Lord this one made it pretty far yeah it did they had costume try-ons I mean they had started doing some press for this a lot of pre-production and then it didn't happen Waterworld again a lot of stuff with the Filming in tanks. The Crow. Brandon Lee wow. was killed. Jim's favorite. Tim Burton. Superman lives. That's Nicholas Cage. Long-haired Nicholas Cage in the pleather Superman suit. If you guys ever want to know about this in depth, listen to Kevin Smith talk about the production of this. Wow. Uh, Super Mario Bros. Adventures of Baron Munchausen, which was a movie I loved as a kid, and Nosebleed starring Jackie Chan, which was sp supposed to start filming on September 11th that had to do with a window washer at the World Trade Center who fought terrorists. Bad timing. Very bad timing. Wow. Let's get back in the pool. We ate a few too many hot dogs during that pool check. Ton of hot dogs. My stomach's hurting. Dry off. Let's learn about Derek Jarrett. Back in the pool. <laughs> Tony's up. Good morning. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I make you a nice cup of coffee. Fine. Uh, you know, today I read newspaper about the auto show. Auto show? Come on, Nazi. What am I, a tourist visa? I don't have time for a goddamn auto show. No, 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 no. You remember, you tell me about that. I have one shot. Today I take a shot. Ow, ow, ow! Shit! Critical question this week. You're given a large budget to make a buddy cop movie in 2023. Who do you want to see team up? Now, this isn't restricted to actors. This could be anybody. This could be anybody. Any two people you want to see team up for a movie. Holy shit. You want me to go yeah, first? Yeah, you go first. I'm going to think. I have Oscar Isaac because I'll watch him in anything. He's often annoyed and frustrated by his overbearing, out of retirement police partner, John Taffer. <laughs> John Taffer needs to play it exactly like he does on Bar Rescue. Oh, my God. Like going to a crime scene. Like, get out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Just the whole. Slinging ranch. Yeah, what is this? I got a good one for you. Because, man, there's so many possibilities. But for some reason, Guy Fieri's popped into my head. Yeah. Or I'm sorry. Guy Fieri. I'm pronouncing it right. Guy Fieri. The past couple movies this guy has been in has been unsuccessful. His last movie, Ridley Scott, went on a tangent about people saying nobody watches movies. They watch. They pay attention to their phone. They don't watch great movies anymore. That movie was The Last Duel and it starred Matt Damon. Yeah. It's time for Matt Damon to have a renaissance. I don't know. Did you see him at the Super Bowl? No, I didn't. He had a wispy little mustache. Oh, he kind of looked God questionable. He was going in such an upward, you know, direction. Goodwill hunting. He had so many good freaking movies. Even the talented Mr. Ripley really enjoyed. Then all of a sudden it just seemed like Ben Affleck went off to be Batman and Matt Damon was just Matt Damon again. Matt Damon. Looking like Rab himself from CKY. Yeah, yep. I think Matt Damon needs to have a buddy cop thing because look what it did for Mark Wahlberg and Why didn't Ted. they ever do a Matt Damon, Ben Affleck buddy cop movie? You'd think they would. Because those dudes, they came in together. They're always going to be linked in that way. I feel if they would have hit six or seven years before they did with Goodwill hunting i could conceivably have seen batman and robin 
Yeah. Batman is Ben Affleck, Robin as Matt Damon. Do you know the original plan for Burton's Batman pre Michael Keaton? No, what was it? Bill Murray is Batman. Whoa. Eddie Murphy is Joker. Or not Joker, I'm sorry, as Robin. Wow. <laughs> Eddie Murphy, Robin, Bill Murray, Batman. Was it supposed to be dark or was it supposed to be? I have no fucking idea That's what that movie would be. Bonkers. Bill, man. I just try and picture Bill Murray in the Batman suit and I laugh. <laughs> You know Tim Burton would shove Burt Ward's Robin outfit on Eddie Murphy. I just, I think it would have been a complete mockery. It would have been, because I think that's what it was supposed to be. I mean, if you look at 60s Batman, it was literally a hammed up comic book. Yeah. That would have been interesting, yeah. Hammed up, Burt Ward as Robin. But nobody's Uh, better than Jay Leno and Pat Morita. Yeah, so let's cue our buddy David McCall. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. Mark Wahlberg's been in a number of buddy cop movies. Well, he's technically in another buddy movie coming up here with Tom Holland in Uncharted. Yeah, that's true. Logic. So first, let's just get out of the way. The movie is very racist. Beyond racist. But especially against the Japanese. Like, I don't think there's a single scene, if there's a Japanese person in it, that, that they don't get just lambasted. Like mocked. It's insane how, like, racist this movie is. And this is only 30 years ago. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well. It's either 35 years ago or 30 years ago. So just to think of how, thankfully, how far we've come that none of this is okay. No, not anymore. Because it's cringy watching this movie again. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. How did Oshima install that turbocharger yeah. on a rental car? Yeah. Okay, I get it. He had plans. He had the actual turbocharger. Doesn't necessarily mean that he can just open up the trunk and go, I'm going to put this on the engine yeah. block. No problem. Yeah, it's not like he just hit it in the dashboard or in the glove box or something. No. He installed it. Quick logic issue. Did they get Pat Morita and the guy that played his brother in Karate Kid Part 2 as a package deal? Actually, appears you put some thought into your logic. Mine, more superficial. The Jared Starburst is the worst car name of all time. It's a horrible car name. As all of you know, I've been in the auto industry most of my life. I've developed some of the finest cars that have come out of Detroit, but I'm here today to tell you that Jared Starburst tops them all. Hey, I just bought the new 1988 Jared Starburst. First off, if anybody's ever been to a car show, most of these, like, booths, you'll have the company name on the wall. If I saw Jared's name spelled up there, I'd be like, they spelled it wrong. J-A-R-R-Y-D. Yeah. Come on. The Jared Starburst. I got another one for you because I'm such, as you know, Kevin, a big Formula One fan. In this movie, we see actual B-roll of the 1987 Detroit Grand Prix. And you see some of the footage does not measure up. It's sort of just like in Days of Thunder. The funny thing when they show the guys who win this race, first off, it's fucked up that a motorcycle was able to just easily jump onto a racetrack. Fun fact, the 1987 Detroit Grand Prix was won by one of my heroes, Ayrton Senna. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's all part of that final chase scene. Well, the thing that also doesn't make sense is you have the radio guy saying, Get tickets to the race now. The race is <laughs> now. Happening. It's fucking happening right now. Advertising sucked in the late <laughs> 80s. When Pat Morita goes to develop the photos from Oshima, yeah. she asks for his address and he just says, uh, Naughty, naughty. Must not read that kind of stuff. Only gossip. <laughs> Film, please. Sure. Um, Mr. Fujitsuka? Fujitsuka. Oh, okay. Or Tokyo, Japan. <laughs> Tokyo, Japan. Thank you. Cool. Do you have a number? Perfect. Okay, can I just send it? That's Tokyo, Japan. You just live in Tokyo. Just send them to Tokyo, Japan. Uh, don't get to me, I swear. I don't know. It's not really much of a logic scene. Fuck, the whole entire bowling scene. I Oh, I meant to bring that up in best scenes. Yeah. It's crazy. We got a score to settle him, mister. Hey, look, pal. You- no, you look. Oh, no. When you guys gonna do something about the balance of trade? Yeah. You know, you brought those heavy tariffs on yourselves by dumping underpriced computer chips on the market. That's right. Nah. Hey, hey, that's it. I got it handled here. Hey, 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 hold on, just a minute. Everybody must understand Japan is a very small country. And we only do what we can to compete in world markets. Yeah, but surely you can't compare. What you think this is 60 minutes? Come what on. What do you mean by 60 hey. minutes? Oh, 60 Minutes is a popular news and entertainment program. shut up. Hey, man, every American should be an ambassador of goodwill. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. And you, how do you expect to improve the relations with other nations if you show them no respect? Right, right. Shut up, asshole. The trouble with you is you got too much moose in your hair. Moose in the hair? 
It's a popular styling solution. Would you please shut up? It's fucking great. It's the biggest brawl. They're doing investigating, trying to find out, you know, the source of blah, 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 blah. The whole, the whole deal. They wander into this bowling alley, but this bowling alley is like for baddies only. Yeah. It's like, uh, but uh, intelligent baddies. Yeah, exactly. Because again, racism, Pat Morita walks in and their first response is, Hey, and then they want to talk to him about Japanese trade, the geopolitical situation. Yes, it's like, <laughs> what? And then at one point, a guy gets hit in the fucking head with a bowling ball is completely fine. They get kicked out of the bar by getting thrown through a window. Meanwhile, this guy is beating the ever loving shit out of somebody. Yeah. This whole recurring bit that really doesn't make sense and it doesn't land for me. Every time Jay Leno talks, even though he doesn't really say anything, they tell him to shut up. Yeah. And then again, we see the same characters again later in the movie and Jay Leno goes to talk and he goes, do you ever shut up? But it's like, it doesn't really land. It's not a, a good bit. Also, the massive arsenal that Scully has in his house uh, by the railroad yes. tracks. So that is my, my final logic issue. Jesus. Holy shit. <laughs> you think this guy was in a home protection? Oh, too many guns. No, all Americans look like this. Really? Oh, sure, sure. Following Scully around because they know he has something to do with it. They go in his house. He launches a missile into his own house. Yeah, he has a rocket propelled grenade launcher. Why does he blow up his own house? Don't know. They go in there. They find out he has a ton of guns. There's a whole Jay Leno thing where he's like, this is just a typical American home. And Pat Marita finds a gun behind like a secret compartment that's like weird gun. Yeah. A weird weapon. He takes a grenade though. Yeah, exactly. So they have this whole, but Tom Noonan knows they're in there. But instead of like going in there with guns or aiming the rocket launcher at them and telling them come out, he just blows up his own house. He does. What? Why? And then it gets even more crazier because they're running down the railroad tracks. They hide behind an abandoned car that Tom Noonan proceeds to blow up. Does not bother yeah. Jay Leno or Pat Marino. No. They're still there. So they're trying to negotiate with him, give him the uh, plans to the uh, turbocharger, to the turbocharger. And he's, you know, he keeps firing into the building where they're hiding. And they have the rocket gun that proves that he killed yes. his buddy. Yeah, the they junker. give that to him. But then they throw a grenade out into some well-placed watermelons yeah outside of this outside of this dock where they are there's just a a big gaylord full of like 75 watermelons here's the fucked up thing though scully seems to be intelligent enough when it comes to weaponry and arsenals do you think that he's gonna be like oh they might just have a random rock in there i'm just gonna throw it out there. yeah it's shaped like a fucking grenade and he also got shot in the scene before that oh i'm fine yeah. <laughs> what fuck what's the legacy of this movie I'd say it's a cautionary tale, but it's also a relic of something I feel can't happen anymore. So can't happen as far as the production stuff. Oh, yeah. Because with all the extra planning, the way movies are made now, been talking about it all episode about failed productions. I feel like it's difficult for a movie present day to run out of money because of examples like Collision Course. Like, so unless there's COVID or... 9-11 9-11 or something yeah. there's way more research and if even if a because of streaming services too so even if a movie would run out of money someone else will step in to pick up the tab definitely like if 20th century fox is making a movie and they which they wouldn't they're disney but let's shit for the example if they would run out of money and say all right we're, we're done productions delayed indefinitely netflix is going to come in and oh, say yeah we'll give you the extra 30 million you need 50 million you need they throw the shit around with like, exclusive yeah you know streaming rights to netflix like with the thirst for content now yeah it doesn't matter if it's good or bad somebody's gonna pick up the tab this is what blows my mind too i would love to have been in the meeting in which they decide okay we got the money to finish this movie let's just fucking wrap it up do it why germany and nowhere else was germany aching to have an American buddy cop movie with Jay Leno well, and Mr. Miyagi. I don't know. I mean, but something weird about Germany on this podcast recently, like you have B44, have a platinum album and then decide for their second album, we're going to release it in Germany. Same yeah. with this movie. It's like, why could it release in Germany and not the US? And then it didn't release till five years after on VHS. Yeah, three years after Germany yeah, released years, yeah. in, in the US. Why Germany? Why not China? Why not Australia? Why not Canada? Why? <laughs> it's Pat Marita. You're coming off a of fucking Karate Kid Part 3 at this rate. Give me that, bur- that Pat Marita. I almost said burrito. <laughs> Give me that Pat Burrito buddy cop movie. I mean, come on. 
I don't. That's super weird. It's nuts. What do you like better, Collision Course or Gung Ho? Ooh, I love Gung Ho. Gung Ho seems to be more in tune. Yeah, it's like a drama. Less racist. Like very much less racist, I'd say. It seems a much more realistic because it's about a guy trying to save his factory from being bought by the Japanese and everybody put out of work. This, whatever. It's not Mel Gibson or Danny Glover. All right, stick around for some plugs. Super Mario is back. He's blasting through worlds where no one has ever been. He's taking on enemies no one else dares. This time, Mario pops up power wherever he goes. So he's bigger and badder than ever before. You've never seen creatures like these. You've never had an adventure like this. It's everything you've dreamed of and worlds more. It's Super Mario 2, only from Nintendo. Now you're playing with power. Pool Sceners, once again, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Pool Scene Podcast. And as always, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Smash that like button with unbridled enthusiasm and make sure you spread the word of the Pool Scene Podcast to one and all. Go over to Facebook at Pool Scene Podcast. Join the Pool Sceners group. You guys want to win some free stuff? Maybe make a suggestion about an episode or two? Let us know. Join today. Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast and TikTok. We're trendy with the kids, y'all. At Pool Scene Pod One. And as always, thank you, thank you, thank you. And now back to Kevin. Final lap guy. Yeah! The final lap. How perfect it's just playing the Senna victory theme and Senna was in this movie. Yeah, so I could not compete the final app because earlier this week I had a stomach flu. There's a bug going around. Really? And uh, yeah, and I was uh, very, very uh, indisposed. I shit myself in my bed. I did that twice when I had COVID. And then when I was getting up to try and like fix it, I started throwing up and I threw up for like 10 minutes straight. I'm covered in shit. I'm throwing up. Horrible. Jesus. I lost 14 pounds in one day you didn't get dehydrated i think i died at one point from puking and shitting yeah but i i just loaded full of as many sports drinks as i could drink like type thing how long did this last just like 24 hours but my wife had it she had it for like three days now she brought it home from her work okay that's because her work is just like everyday call-offs and like people leaving early and like were they worried it was a covid thing no i don't think so because it it not like that yeah. it's definitely like different i woke up the the day i had it and my stomach hurt real bad like i went to bed and i like we ate we made cheeseburger sliders okay and i was like maybe it was the sliders maybe the meat was bad yeah i'm like maybe it was something like a tinge of food poisoning or something but i just like i had indigestion didn't feel very well but i woke up i had so much like physical pain in my stomach and i asked her i said what was your first symptom she said like stomach pain and i was yeah, like oh shit oh no so then sure enough it was like 10 minutes later dun, dun, started dun. throwing up started shitting so bad kevin you couldn't have given me a better lead in for the final lap because teen mom fair abraham oh nice you've heard about fair Abraham. She, I think she even made a porno. She did. I have she it. Did. You do. I bought it at Cinema Wasteland oh, for yes. my wife. She's <laughs> a big Farrah Abraham fan. Well, speak of the devil there, Teen Mom herself is now in the business of selling her dump chunks. No. She's, what? She is, I kid you not, I read this story. Because remember, we talked about this in the, the final. Farts in a jar. Farts in a jar. She upped the ante. No. So she will take a shit, wipe it and take bits of the paper with dump chunk on it and send them out to people. Why, why doesn't she just fool on shit in a jar? Hey, you got to spread the wealth, Kevin. You know, sometimes she can only shit so much. It's like taking like a well, ring gear and cutting off little segments and putting it in a top's true. car. I was going to say like, you know, some of them Hollywood types, they yeah. probably only shit once a month or something. Like Barry Abraham is apparently doing real well with selling dump chunks. Oh, that's horrible. What the fuck is wrong with people that we've talked about Japan pan here in this episode of the podcast that they would sell vending machines with used underwear yeah okay weird but whatever it's a fetish also talked about things being released in germany first exactly the shiza the shiza oh church of fudge but now people are literally excited to hear that knock on their front door and fedex is there to give you your big mason jar of dump chunk i just literally i'm not joking i just got like 
a shiver chills. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Because I was so grossed out because I started thinking about what exactly do you do when this arrives? Do you just put it on the shelf? You'd smell it, right? You would have. That's part of the whole oh, appeal. Is. And then like it smelling, it's not enough and you eat it. Hopefully you don't put it next to like an urn oh. on your fireplace. And then the family comes over and goes, what's that? Let me I, tell I'm you. not as mad at Farah about it because if there wasn't a market for it, there is, then she wouldn't be doing it or anyone else. If, if there wasn't a market, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I can say with absolute certainty on this podcast, if we eventually one day do Patreon or whatever, we will not be sending you an exclusive dump chunk uh, tier. I just got uh, no, no DCTs God, that's from here at the PSP. Horrible. Just absolutely terrible. Yeah. But yeah, I wanted that. It was an excellent lead in from your dumps to her. Dumps. Yeah. So I hope I laid in bed. I was supposed to be working from home. I just like texted work and I was like, hey, I have my laptop. I'm going to work from home today. Laid in bed without the TV on. And pretty sure I just stared at the walls for like five hours. I've I was been in delirium so sick. Yeah. Sick. And I looked on Twitter. I was like stomach bug, stomach flu. And a lot of people have it. It's like a big thing that's going around. So yeah. be safe out there. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Don't lick any toilet seats. Don't sniff anyone's fart jars. <laughs> Because I don't wish this on anyone. No, it's, it's horrible. horrible. Yeah, one more thing. want to promote. I hope everybody liked this little extra we threw out there this week, this past week, with B44 behind the music. Kevin did hours upon hours upon hours of research yeah. for B44. I hope you guys know who this group is now because they need to be known who they were. Yeah. Two requests from the uh, pool sceners out there. One, if you have collision course on VHS just sitting around and you want to send it to me, please do. DM me. I'll give you my address. Two, if you happen to know any of the three members of B44, which if you knew Ryan or Dan, they're twins. So if you know one, you probably know them both. Yeah. Or... If you know Ohad, ask them, why couldn't they, what happened with America? Why couldn't they cross the border? This would be so interesting. Like I watched an interview when I was editing the podcast. I don't know if it was Ryan or Dan, either one of them. Ohad literally sounded more yeah. congruent with English than either one of them yeah. did. That's the one where they sing like, uh, yeah, at the end, yeah, yeah, they do a cover of something and then they, it was the weirdest, like, t I mean, much music, much different than MTV. Big you know, time. we're used to MTV editing and just boom, 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 boom. They just like put these guys in a chair with a microphone for eight minutes yeah. and they're like, here, just talk about whatever. And they end up like doing a cover of something and then they sing like, oh, holy night. It's not as good as that 1925 cover. <laughs> yeah, that got him signed in the yeah. first place. So, But yeah, I want you guys to check that out. If there's any other bands that you can think of that nobody really heard about or didn't make it big, send us a DM. Maybe we'll yeah. cover that in a, another Swim Meet series. Yeah, same thing with, I mean... <sighs> movies too, listen, I mean. Yeah, listen to the plug section. If there's something you're dying to hear, it might be on our list, but if yeah. you want it moved up the list yeah. to be covered, let us know. I mean, anybody you want us to have on as a guest, any movie or TV show or music video, anything you want us to talk yeah. about, reach out. You know, we'll hear you out And for sure. Kevin and I are always brainstorming more and more ideas, so let's see what happens. All right. Until next week, silencio. Silencio.